I thought you're not close enough. Sorry, young boy. I'm gonna have to knock this down. Uh, I feel good, man. Just, uh, I've been in my bag all year. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the In My Bag podcast. It's Alex here. Uh, with me, as always, is Kenny. What's going on, Kenny? What up? How you been, man? Um, quarantined. Not, I mean, technically, I'm not quarantined, but you know, stay at home, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of quarantined. Not really, though. Like there's nobody mm-hmm. waiting outside of my door saying, "Hey, you can't go." Right. So, what about you, Alex? How's how's the corona treating you? Uh, man, you know, every day is pretty much the same at this point it was the same before this all happened so it's just basically a war of attrition in my mind where like every day is like you can you can expect the same thing so you just have to keep yourself um engaged as much as possible so how is corona treating me was your question um stream me fine i guess I'm not uh <laughs> I'm not uh I'm not hurting in any way, I guess. It's just uh it's just really old as far as kind of the choices being taken away from you. That's that's rough. Like you can't there's not much to do because there's not much to do. Right. I was definitely just thinking, you know, everybody wants that vacation until somebody tells you you have to take that vacation. Oh, yeah, and you can't actually go anywhere while you're on your vacation. You just got to stay at home. Right, yeah. I am so looking forward to my vacation that I'm going to take once. uh... All this is over? Yeah, well, I don't even know if I'm going to wait till it's all over. Wait, wait, at least until it's the CDC says it's safe. That's who I'm going off of. I don't don't trust the government to let me know it's safe for me. So I'll trust people who've been studying this their whole lives. Yeah, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, coronavirus, if nothing else, has been amusing with the sudden resurgence of reasons to make fun of Donald Trump, like seeing fit to make sure that he send out a letter across the nation. Mm-hmm. Have you received yours yet? I make got my letter. Sure let everybody know he dropped off that rack in your bank account and to uh, <laughs> drop a vote for him real quick when the elections come around. Not a chance. At all. I don't even care if you save my mama. He ain't getting it. For me, at least. Now, please do save mama, but, you know, you still ain't finna get this vote. You know, Yes. If if anyone can save my mother, please save her. Uh, but don't think that means I'm going to do something for you in return. That's just not how it works over here. Well, you might as long as, you know, they don't ask you to vote for Trump. I don't know. It's something I... reasonable. Yeah, sure. Within reason, you can uh, you can save my mother and then ask for something in return. How about that? I mean, plus it's your mom. I feel like you can get a little unreasonable for a life, right? In general, like for for a normal person, yeah. But for me, I don't know. I get I get really weird about that kind of stuff. Like, oh yeah, you might I might have to let it die. Mmm, <laughs> that's cold game. It's cold world. Oh, speaking of music, did you listen to the Drake project? No, I did not. I'm surprised that you even brought it up or knew that it existed. I mean, I guess not surprised because it's still Drake, so you have an ear out for that. But I know you are not exactly Mr. Uh, New Music. Yeah, no, I didn't know I 
so I'm taking baby steps into um, being more aware of what's going on musically. And one of the baby steps was following Drake on Instagram. And so I just happened upon the day before he dropped it, he put out, he put an Instagram post out and I just ha- so happened to scroll back far enough to see it. And so when I woke up uh, Friday morning, or was it yesterday? It was yesterday. So when I woke up yesterday, I had already planned to to throw down on some um, some cod. So I just played it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Or, or was it Friday? I think it was Friday. So it just happened to work out for you. Yeah, I think. No, yeah. I, I, it dropped yesterday. The second today is the third. Really? Wow! Yesterday yep. lasted a long time. I did so much yesterday. That's crazy. Good for you. I'm glad you're productive. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was talking to Timmy about it. I gave it a C plus. He says that was extremely cold and I may not be a Drake fan anymore. But I mean, it is what it is. I felt like it was a, it was a decent project. The world needed it, but it didn't move me. Um, I heard like one song off of it. It feels that pain 1993 or something like that mm-hmm. it was all right now there's some here's here's the thing here's the thing now the entire songs like the the project in its entirety slightly above average the songs individually fine now there are some fire lines there are some fire one-liners in in his in his songs and he like he, lyrically it was it was there like he he did perform very well lyrically the music you know he's trying to do that you know the caribbean ting whatever you want to call it uk caribbean canadian mesh fusion that's good old that's getting, appropriation raps yeah that's that's you know, old whatever, to me what, yeah. whatever culture is hot at the moment wrong with yeah. it now, to be fair, he has been sticking with this for like the last four years. Mm-hmm. So it may be his it may be his sound now. But it's not really it's not moving me, so that's why I gave it a C plus. So I might give it a listen. I might not. I'm not gonna lie. Who knows? Yeah. I got time. Yeah, it's I don't think you're missing anything if you do. You will eventually hear at least eighty percent of it when it's all said and done because it'll just be just around. because of the internet yeah it'll be around so it's your choice all right let's uh let's get into the pod though let's talk uh let's tell the listeners what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about episodes <clears throat> three and four four and five three and four three and four three and four yeah wait it's only been two weeks yeah are you sure? Yeah, wow, wow. That's Yeah. Five and six come out today. That's right, yeah. Okay, so episodes three and four of the last dance. We're gonna breeze over those. And then we're gonna talk about the NBA, the NCAA, and the G League and Penny what Penny Hardaway has to say about all that. Man, and this real sloppy love triangle they got going on right now. <laughs> yeah. But first we're gonna jump into our traditional overrated underrated kenny um what you got today we'll just give give me both uh, of yours all right for my underrated i'm giving you great modern day big man uh, i feel like the huge transition from the nba with um large Hosting up powerful big man, maybe give you a little bit of range on the jump shot every now and again, but mostly, you know, those behemoths that just, they're going to rough you up in the paint on defense and offense that were a staple of early 2000s, 90s, eight, basically almost all basketball before the last 10 years or so are mm-hmm. drastically unrated in the game today. Um violently not underutilized but misutilized and i think that there are several teams that could benefit from instituting that into their game and it would just make it it just makes playing the game easier having a really good big man and i feel like too many teams don't appreciate that 
Yeah, I agree. I think the big man is um, underutilized. Definitely not utilized properly. I think I think it needs a I think it needs an overhaul as far as how they use the big man, because you have guys like Embiid, who has post play, can can shoot outside. And then you have guys like Cat, who are mainly inside guys. And then you have guys like Giannis, who are trying to come out, come out to the outside, but it's not working just yet. But then you have guys like KD, who are truly big men, but he's all he's everywhere. So I think there's been a renaissance um, as far as how big men play the game. It's just they're just all over the place. Like there's not a there's not a prototype big man now. It's like, well, you're big, but what can you like? What are you good at, basically? Right. And I don't think there has to be a prototype or even necessarily a shift as a whole back to the utilization of the, you know, standard big man. But I think there are a lot of teams that are kind of gumshoeing themselves by forcing themselves to try to adhere to the new movement and not being individuals, you know. And I, as a Memphis Grizzly fan, can attest to being willing to take a step back and utilize what works for you versus what works for everybody else can create pretty good amounts of success. You know, there were a team, my Grizzlies, where when everybody else was making the shift to small ball pacing, uh, quick up the court, score a lot of points, uh, they played traditional two-man big, uh, two-big-man basketball and were able to push that to a uh if I remember right, conference finals appearance, you know, I didn't make it all the way, but I mean, when you're playing uh, OKC and Golden State during that time, there's a lot of guys that didn't make it out the finals or make it to the finals. But it's not always about, you know, go with what everybody else is doing. Go get your versatile big man that can shoot and run and jump and he doesn't actually play the post, but, you know, he's tall enough where he can hit somebody with a move inside. Like, maybe you need a legitimate, I'm going to put my back to the basket, you two power dribbles, turn and hit you with this hook, maybe hit you with the fadeaway, maybe hit you with the driving hook. Maybe I'm going to go up and just yam it right in your face. But I think we're killing off a part of the game that can give a lot more kids access to basketball and a lot of teams could utilize to better themselves. So, guys, go try out a real big man. You don't have to have, you know, a Kevin Durant as your power forward. You don't have to have a Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis. Um, Jonas Valanciunas is carving out a fantastic um, season in Memphis before I think things started of being a traditional 2010, you know, back to the basket big uh guys like DeMarcus Cousins where for the most part he was a traditional back to the basket big that could do a little bit more but he played that standard big role a lot you know utilize it put it in your games yeah I think uh I think there's room for every type of player in the NBA um now it's the game is getting much faster to where big men who can't run are not being able to, you know, be successful, but I think there's still room for them in spaces in the game. We just have to figure out, just coaches have to get creative on how to use these guys. Yep. So I think that's another uh, benchmark of what's happening with the bottom half of the NBA right now, which is you don't have coaches willing to be creative and make their teams work. It's just, you know, they're trying to do what everybody else is doing and because they don't have the parts to play the same game as everybody else, they don't have the creativity to create their own game that works for them, i.e., and not to harp on it, but just, you know, funneling back into the Grizzlies had to utilize what they had to the most and decided rather than try to turn these guys into an up-and-down-the-court team and stretch everybody out and Everybody shoots. Nope, we're going to slow it down, pace it, play it inside, keep teams under 100 points when possible, 
and make it tough. Everybody can't do it, but, you know, there should still be teams that play that style of basketball and get away from everybody trying to play the same way. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. You have a uh, overrated? Um, I guess my overrated is everybody trying to say, play the same form of basketball. Lots mm-hmm. of ISO, lots of um, space and shoot, you know. And I guess I liken it to you can have success with both, just like with the two best teams, I think, in the AFC right now in the Baltimore Ravens and um, the Kansas City Chiefs. Two completely different style offenses. One is predicated on the new school style of we're going to spread you out, we're going to air it out, and we're going to see if you can match us for the amount of points we're going to put up. And then the other team is, well, we're just going to shove the ball down your throat until you make us stop. And then when you try to make us stop, but you're not going to, we're going to hit you with a play action. And Lamar's either going to hit you down over the top or pick it up himself about 15, 20, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a great example, actually. All right, I'm going to run through what I got. So my underrated is um, goes along with basketball. Hoop sessions are underrated because as each day passes um, without getting to be able to be on a court, I realized how underrated the experience of playing basketball was for me. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I guess I started to take it for granted, which might be a blessing in disguise anyway, because now I feel a little bit re- reinvigorated about the game um, and playing in general. So mm-hmm. um, when this is all has um, passed us by, I am a, uh, I'm definitely excited to get back out on the court. I'm never going to take my 6 a.m. hoop sessions for granted. Um, Just going to stop. You know, I won't I probably won't make many excuses for not going out and uh, playing anymore. So. Lots and lots of hoop sessions here to come, maybe even get into get into shape enough to join the league. Anything's possible. Speaking of hoop sessions, while we're on that topic, I actually saw an interesting note. Uh, it was um, small details left out of Last Dance, just, you know, stuff they didn't nod to. It's not necessarily anything game-changing, just little tit-tats here and there that uh, didn't get thrown in, that are maybe a little unique, a little rare. So I saw that apparently while uh, Michael was filming Space Jam, he had a very specific uh, request in his contract with doing the movie, and it was that they would basically erect a um, a gym on site for him to be able to go into, work out in, get some shots in, and he even actually had made it a point to invite uh, NBA players and other stars to ba- essentially play pickup games with him while he was working on the movie to basically keep him in shape and keep him regular. Um, amongst the players noted were uh, Magic Johnson, uh, Kenny Smith, Scottie Pippen, uh, and just a skew of other top NBA talent at the time. I did hear that. I didn't hear. I've never heard about who specifically went and played with him. Um, that those, the term that, um, for, for him demanding a basketball court is called a writer. Um, actors have requests like that all the time. Actors and, um, music, musical artists, they have writers in their, um, contract contracts so that they get those kind of things. Um, but yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've heard that before. So what I just thought it was interesting because I know usually writers come with, you know, well, I have to have this available, you know, make sure this is in my room, uh, make sure I got this in my dressing room. It's not usually, well, yeah, I need you to build an entire basketball facility so I can have somewhere to hoop at in between scenes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, some sometimes it's like I want a specific kind of water. Or I want this many pieces of fruit you know it it could literally be anything right so my other um i don't have an overrated i have a 
super underrated. And my super underrated is accurate directions. Ooh. So I bought a, a new microphone on Amazon. And before I purchased it, made sure to read the reviews, um, make sure it was right for me. When it came, I read, I read the directions, every single directions that it came with and plugged it in and it didn't work like it said it would. Mm. So, so then I took a deeper dive into the internet and realized I needed another item, a separate, I had to buy a separate thing to make it work. So I really wish I would have knew that. Like that, that wasn't a problem. Like spoiler alert, well not spoiler, but like the, the crazy thing is I had bought that piece anyway. It just took longer to ship on Amazon. Like I bought it just because I wanted it and not because I thought I needed it for this new microphone. And mm. so like now, now I'm sitting here waiting for it because now I need it. To yeah. Make this microphone yeah. Work. Uh, half-ass directions are always a pain to deal with, whether it be instructions for products, uh, whether it be uh, directions getting to a location. Um, Gotta be specific, guys. Littlest, yes. A littlest mess up could ruin everything. You right, never yeah. know what it might be. When, when, you're ta- when you're trying to communicate something, like as far as directions, always shy on too many directions than too little big time yeah like if you're telling me how to get somewhere i want to know what the the weird shaped tree and the dog that always runs across the street and the graffitied intersection all that's great information for me instead of take a left here take a left there and you're here like nah, i want more details like just throw them at me let fill my brain with details so that I don't have a question about uh you know where I am or where I'm going. Mhm. Cool. So um that was overrated underrated and we're going to take a break and come back and talk about the last dance. And we're back. So we're going to dive into episodes 3 and 4 of the last dance um Bulls documentary. A lot of people are calling it the MJ documentary which technically i guess is accurate but this is supposed to be about the bulls as a whole and not just michael jordan but let's be honest here anytime you talk about the bulls it's mj and the bulls that's fair come on we're we're gonna be real he he's he otis no i'm sorry he's not otis the bulls are otis ain't nobody came to see them they came to see mike yes that's true all right so let's let's talk about episodes three and four what what uh What'd you take away from from those episodes? Um, one of the things I took away from it was, um, and I, I I always get the hate on this one because I like to be the devil's advocate to the whole um, the whole NBA fan base that talks about Michael Jordan the way uh, old people talk about the way the hardships they had to go through childhood, you know, Michael Jordan had to score 50 with ankle weights on after he ran to the stadium from home. Cause he got locked out of his car and he wasn't going to make it on time or some story like that. So one of the things that, uh, hit tough with me here, uh, is, you know, the very, very infamous, um, stretch where, and they're talking about, the transition Mike made from his first portion with the Bulls, wherein it was all about him. Um, I was focused in on him, and he was getting beat up by the Pistons all the time mm-hmm. to him transitioning into starting to lift weights, get stronger, get more physical, um, really invest in his physique more and uh, strength and conditioning and then make that transition to be able to handle that physicality of the game. And that made me think about how you always hear old heads talk about how the guys 
uh, now wouldn't last in the 90s because that was tough basketball and this, that, and the third. And I have to stop and think to myself sometimes, like, how much does the same apply to a Michael Jordan when you hear stories of the type of literal physical beatings guys took in the inside in Kareem, Wilt, Bill Russell, where it's not like, you know, you're getting pushed down kind of hard, like guys are throwing like legitimate punches. You're getting hit with like literal elbows and not just from one team, from every team that you run into, you know? Like a lot of people look at the Detroit Pistons like you guys are crazy. What the were they thinking? It's that and the third. But a big part of what their culture was was that it was a transition in or a transition out, I guess you could say, of um, essentially the last, what, 20, 30 years of NBA basketball, which was even more physical than what we saw in the 90s because most times and not, if you had a really great player, especially a really great strong player, every team acted like the Pistons, not just the Pistons. So could you imagine Jordan trying to take that whooping from 32 teams a year, 82 games a season, you know? Because even peers looking back then were like, oh, yeah, Detroit took it too far. Yeah, I – it's really it's really tough to say if players would be as good as they are in other generations because the game today is so athletic and so fast. And I think the game today honestly is more skilled than it was prior. I I say athleticism as a whole, it's better, but that's just because I think the big man, for the most part, the bi- not even the big man, I think the guards, for the most part, are a lot more athletic now than they were back in the day. Um, but I do think they were a lot more physical. I think strength and conditioning was a lot better in earlier days of basketball because most of those guys were – multi-sport athletes all the way up into professionalism i don't agree and i just think it's really yeah i think strength strength and conditioning is much better now because it starts at six years old seven years old i don't think but see that's my thing with basketball there's substantially less strength and conditioning with basketball in the early years because it's all about cones drills playing AAU games, um, going to the rec and putting up shots, you don't get that many hoopers in earlier stages that are working out and hooping. A lot of them are just hooping. And I think you hear that a lot, especially in the NBA, where guys don't actually start working out, working out until they get to the pros and have to play grown men because before that you could get away with, oh, yeah, I just hoop good. Yeah, that's a good point. I was when I was thinking of strength and conditioning, I was thinking of more of just training in general. But yes, you're talking about right. actual muscle building, strength and conditioning. Right. Sure. right. Like yeah. In terms of that, that's why I say I think nowadays the players are more skilled because they're working on a more various skill set from an earlier age than players were back in the day. Whereas like I said, it was kind of just about, you know, going out, playing some basketball. Um, you get your standard workout in. But, I mean, you can literally just look at the physiques of players from the 60s, 70s, 80s, early 90s, and those guys are just like – they put guys nowadays to shame. That's all I'm going to say. Not everybody, but they put a lot of them to shame. I don't know. It's it's really hard to compare, compare eras. Look, but we can talk about the Pistons in – in general about how just absolute nasty they were like i knew all of the things that they had done um to the league and to the bulls but watching it in the documentary especially with the with the the bias of hey this is a pro bulls documentary it made me hate the pistons even more because i already have enough to hate the pistons on my own um but because of four zip But uh, I, <laughs> I, I definitely 
came out of that that episode like, man, those guys suck. I would never, I could never be a Pistons fan because, like, I don't, I don't ever have that like bad boys, like we're gonna, we're gonna color outside the lines type of mentality. I could definitely, I could understand that. Um, yeah, like I feel like for you, because because of the grit and grind, Grizzlies is like it gets a little closer. Like they were just they the Grizzlies were hard workers, and then the Pistons, you know, they they win by any means necessary. So it's, right, they're they're closer. So you, I think you can you can identify with them a little bit better than I can. Yeah, because I mean it's more of. A hard nosed, tough, grit and grind basketball. It's it's very close to, you know, the typical grit and grind basketball. We're gonna slow it down. It's gonna be mean. It's gonna be nasty. It's gonna be physical. You're probably gonna hurt tomorrow. So make sure you get your ice bath after the game. Type basketball, and I can appreciate that. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not my speed. Yeah, I know you like a little flash and flare, and yeah, little you like a little Hollywood in your basketball. Ain't nothing wrong yeah. with that. No, that's uh, that's what I grew up on. That's the basketball that I grew up to love. Was the was Showtime? Don't say nothing of, wrong with that at all. So, what were yeah. some of your takeaways from uh, the Last Dance? Um, Pistons were just absolute dirty. Uh, Rodman was as crazy as I thought he was, but that man is a legend, but I didn't know, like, I, I never took any deep dives on Dennis Rodman. So I didn't know he was, he was messing with Madonna and Carmen Electra. Yes. A king. Yes. I I see him on that one. That's, that's a, that's like, he's getting into Derek Jeter range of, uh, Paramore's. Say out honestly, I would even like, and that's just what we know. So, right, Lord only knows what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And even with Derek Jeter, he's pretty straight edged on here. So I, I got to give that nod to uh, Dennis Rodman on that one. I don't know. And I need gonna... to see. I need to see a complete roster before I make make a nod to to Rodman. But yes, Dennis Rodman disappearing for uh, what three or four days in Las Vegas. Uh, absolutely bonkers. Um, and it just, it constantly blows my mind that Jerry Krause was so adamant about breaking this team up. They, they mentioned what we talked about in the last episode about like the money thing. Like that's, that was, that's literally what it was. They were like, we got to cut salary. And the easiest way to cut salary is to get rid of Phil Jackson. Michael Jordan's not going to come back. That's that's forty million off the books, off rip. And then you know go from there. Well, we also talked about how we felt like being like complete earnestness, like complete earnest. You can let Tony Kukoc go because he was making more than Scotty and Mike were. Maybe not bring back Dennis. Tell Mike you're not going to sign him to the fat contract so you can keep great players and keep winning championships. Like, if Michael if Michael Jordan was okay with his head coach that he supported fully, wholeheartedly, being let go for the sake of the team getting better, if he could be okay with the player he was probably second closest to than anybody in Charles Oakley for the sake of, well, we're doing this to get better and win championships – I'm pretty sure he would not be mad about taking a pay cut to continue to win championships and keep proving himself as the greatest. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think he would have had a problem with it. Like I I am more than certain that if you bring Michael, you bring Scotty into the office together, Scotty, we're going to give you a much better contract than what you had previously. It's not going to be a max because we want to keep winning titles. We got to pay MJ too. You gotta pay guys to stay around y'all. We're gonna pay you. Like I'm like two million going from two million a year to what fifteen somewhere between fifteen and twenty million a year. You don't think they would have been happy with that? You don't think they would have been all right taking yeah. that and go and win some that, more rings? And all that t- would take was Jordan coming down from thirty five million to twenty seven. 
not like he's not already, you know, rolling in dough off of uh, sponsorships and Jordan brand clothing and shoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the like the, you've seen the rumor, well, not the rumor. You've seen the story about him turning down a hundred million dollar deal just because he didn't want to deal with the company, right? That that wanted to sign him. So yes, he's gonna give money back. The money didn't mean anything to him. Um, some some other things that I took away from the documentary was uh, that it's it's good. I think this is a really good lesson for um, people who want to be great at something. You to see the road that Michael had to take to get to the mountaintop of an NBA championship. It wasn't, you know, he may have been, you know, then the, he may have been up next, but he still had to fight for it. So I think that's a good message for, especially young kids who don't know, who aren't as familiar with who Michael Jordan is to, for them to see like everyone call him the greatest, but then also see that he had to struggle a lot and lose a lot before he got to where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I'll say I can say for certain uh, I have had to, for the most part, stay away from sports media during this uh, documentary or docu series, just mm-hmm. because uh, for starters it seems like, and th- this grouping is easier because it's the guys that I've grown to start staying away from in the first place. But I feel like way too much through this documentary, it's being used for comparison purposes. Yes. But at the same time, I can understand why from a positive and from a I'm okay with it standpoint and from a I'm not okay with it standpoint, because um, it feels like it's and this goes into uh, some of the facts that I was looking up or not looking up, but I watched the video for about the last dance docuseries that didn't get told. And part of this is, you know, Jordan still not being comfortable. I feel like with where he's at. And I think it's also a tale to how close the circumstances are for, you know, the case of greatest of all time. And that I found out that the green light was given for production because, as we all see now, this is footage that primarily consists of recordings in terms like the behind the scenes stuff. It's primarily dealing with that last 1997-1998 season, but often throughout this docu-series, we're getting glances, looks, stories, retellings of things from his entire Bulls legacy. And this whole thing was greenlit to happen. You know when it was greenlit, Alex? It was 2016, right? Uh-huh. Do you know what day? Uh, I'm guessing uh, late June. I believe so. Uh, somewhere around there. It was actually on the... Ex- it was Michael Jordan, who was the person that had to give the green light for this documentary to happen in the first place, gave the green light for this. Literally the day, the same day of the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, championship parade. Mm. Mm-hmm. A petty king. I don't, I don't know what you think about that. You know, I don't know what our listeners think about that. But I know the way my level of pettiness works. And I tend to have a general understanding of the way that levels of pettiness works. And um, if I wanted to be petty because I felt like somebody had, you know, a stake in a case or claim to something that I feel like I have or I should have the rights to or sole rights to, then why not, you know, in the moment of their biggest moment of bliss, drop something to remind them, you know what? I know you think this, but uh, everybody else thinks otherwise. Right. Yeah, I get it. It's uh, it's definitely uh, a what about me type of uh, 
project where he's he's been away from the he's been he has not played the game for going on 20 years now and there's an entire generation of of players that don't really know who he is so he needs he needs to you know stake his claim and once this documentary docu series is out it'll never it'll always hit the same notes forever so this was definitely well timed by him um have you have you heard what the episodes tonight are going to be about uh i have not i've made it a point to uh try to get as little pre-episode information as i can that well, I, way I, just, uh, I can try to just ingest yeah. it organically uh just get it as it comes it's uh there's gonna be a lot of uh kobe uh focus in the in one of the two episodes tonight i heard there was gonna be some uh dream team focus as well yeah dream team and kobe are i think are the two episodes um that are gonna be tonight so and they and i've I've read that this will be a very monumental thing for Kobe and Laker fans to see tonight. So I don't know what Kobe, cause Kobe was interviewed. Mm-hmm. So he'll be in it. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens tonight as far as. It'll be interesting says. because I feel like um, most of us kind of recognize that particularly in that final season, 97-98, where they played against each other in the All-Star game. Uh, it just kind of felt like that year particularly was almost not quite Michael Jordan passing on the torch, but almost like it, you know, because he's not the type to pass on a torch. He's more a type where it's like, uh, I'm going to hold on to this to the grave. And if you want to open the casket and try to pry it out of my cold, dead fingers, good luck. But, I mean, as close as you can get to MJ passing on the well, – not even passing on the torch. More like looking at Kobe in that younger brother kind of uh, role. I think that was the year that it officially really happened. So I think that's particularly what makes it so big of a point in tonight's episode now that i know it i can't wait to see it yeah i'm I'm very excited for it too i just yeah i don't i haven't watched any of them live like i always wait till they're done to and watch it um on the app the next day or whatever but i might watch this one tonight um well i don't know can you is the like mature content available immediately, like on the app? Uh, I believe so. Okay, Actually, good, I'm I, I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure. Um, are you only watching it through the app, or are you watching it live? Only like, through on the ESPN. App. Only through I don't the watch app? it. Yeah, I don't watch it live on ESPN though. Oh, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure um, that the uh, TVMA version is immediately available because I know that's the version that airs on ESPN, they play the TV 14 version on ESPN too. I think they air oh, simultaneously. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. That's dope. Yeah. Cause like I, I accidentally watched one of the episodes in TV 14. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I want to know what they're saying. Yeah. So we'll be, so if anybody um, has not seen the last dance yet, Watch it, if, even if you're not a Michael Jordan fan, even if you're not a Bulls fan, even if you're not a basketball fan. Just watch it, because it's impactful for a lot of different reasons. And it, it kind of, it was kind of the, it kind of shaped pop culture for the 90s. Right. All right, so we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some more basketball. All right, so Kenny, the... NBA has allowed a a kid coming out of high school to be able to sign with the G League for a year before entering the NBA draft. Um, now this is this is an amazing opportunity for a lot of kids because they can actually earn income doing the thing that 
one of the things that they're best at in life. But your boy, Penny Hardaway, head coach of the Memphis Tigers, mm-hmm. has recently said that the the signing, these G League signings, are dangerously close to the NBA tampering with recruits. Mm. What are your thoughts? There is there's a level of truth to that. Now, some of that is, you know, and I can't even disagree with anybody that would say it because I wouldn't disagree if they said it about any other college coach. So I'm going to try not to be partial towards Penny Hardaway. But, I mean, part of it is, as a college coach, you don't want the best players going to the G League to play basketball because, you know, that's going to have a huge negative influence on your livelihood, especially in a program like University of Memphis where it's not, you know, one of the Blue Blood programs that's been top-notch recruiting almost as long as it's been around. Um, Memphis's recruiting depends entirely on its current basketball situation. You know, it's not a Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, where, you know, you've had some super successful incumbent head coach that's been around for five, ten-plus years uh, putting your college on the map. So for him, it's a huge negative. But it's also mildly tamper-esque because now teams don't have to go through the draft process to be able to acquire great young talent, which is, you know, supposed to be levied out to poorly performing teams to provide a personnel boost. But now a team that has the money to, or at least has the money within their development or their G League team to, can sign said high-level prospect out of high school, farm him through their G League team, and now all of a sudden he's their star player on a smaller contract than maybe he should be on because he's coming off some type of G League contract. Now, it's getting into details that I don't fully understand and not fully aware of, but I could see both sides of the argument for and against what Penny's saying. So here's my thing about Penny. Um, He's definitely standing up for his program and trying to distance himself from you know, the recruits that decided to say no to him and say yes to the G League. And that's all well and good because that's what you should be doing. But it's not necessarily tampering because they're making this decision all on their own. They can't even talk to, they can't even take on an agent because let's say they decide they change their mind. If they sign an agent, then they can't go to the NCAA at all. So this this decision is being made by the the recruit, the prospect, and and his family. So, I mean, the only thing tampering is the the economic burden that he has on his on on his family's life, and the economic burden that his family carries uh, for themselves, and him wanting to you know relieve that. So. Obviously, the solution is to pay these college kids. How? Yeah. I don't know. When? Sounds like it's going to be soon. But the why is so that you don't have this controversy. If the NCAA pays, the the G League pays, and kids still have to wait a year before they can enter the draft, then the then all the choices are theirs and they can make what the choice that's best for them. But until then, you can't call it tampering because the the entity that you are representing is not representing the need of the people you're trying to recruit. So I get his concern. I get that he has the nip it in the bud, but he can't speak for the situations of these these kids. And um, for him to for him to talk down to a situation he was probably in himself isn't very fair to me. I don't know, but a lot of this entire situation 
makes me want to um, investigate, I guess, more the process of transitioning from the G League to the NBA. Like, I guess if he gets drafted by a particular G League team, like, like I, I don't know. I don't pay enough attention to the G League to really know, like, how their draft works, how it works transitioning from a G League team to their NBA league affiliate, or would you go back into a standard draft pool? Would you be able to be signed straight away as a free agent after completing your G League contract? Like, there's so many questions I have. Because honestly, if that's the case, if it's the case of being able to go in as a free agent, I would almost be willing to take that over going into the draft. Because I'm pretty sure you could sign for a larger, better contract, and then you can pick where you're going as opposed to get drafted and pray to God you don't end up a Charlotte Bobcat, you know? I'm sorry, Charlotte Hornet. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that you sign your G League deal, you play a season with that G League, you never get to get called up, and then you enter the draft. I see, that's my other thing. I would almost, and maybe this is just my unique format on it, I'm surprised we haven't seen anybody's top prospect forego the draft and wait to come on as a legitimate free agent. Like, at what point can you sign in the NBA as a free agent versus having to be drafted? Uh, I believe two years after high school, but you don't get your salary is very minimal. Because you're you're dra- you're signed on an undrafted free agent scale. Yeah, but you could also sign a shorter contract and eventually get like, I guess, sign a one year undrafted free agent contract. Still and won't work. Kind of still won't work. No, because you have because there are levels. Like you remember how like being first team All NBA matters and and um and all that stuff because that. Right that scales you up to to the next level of contract. So if you keep signing one year um one year deals, you're going to have to stay with your team for those five, for 5 years and then you can then you can re up for a, a big boy contract. I don't know. I just feel like there are workarounds and even still with that, you know, I would be willing to take a pay cut for my first what, three, four years on some one, two-year deals playing with the actual contender and a good system actually improving as a player and not just stats going up because you're getting more minutes and more shots because you're the only good player on the team? I don't know. I think there should be more players betting on themselves and going that route as opposed to leaving the fates of their futures up to organizations when what a third of the organizations in the NBA right now are failures. Third. Yeah. uh, 10 teams are failures. Yes, that's true. That's fine. It's yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no right answer to this. It's more of just, we need to keep, having the conversation so that we come to a a point to where we can't deny that these young men need to be paid immediately. Yes. And I think, you know, don't be mad about players for making the smart decision to uh, secure the bag. Be mad at the NCAA for not being progressive in its situation and handling this matter and at least putting itself on not equal playing ground, but on the same playing ground and being able to provide legitimate, you know, stipends for these college students, these college athletes. I mean, even, I mean, bottom line that no matter what level you're on college pro future hall of fame, you're still underpaid based on the revenue that you generate for your franchise. Right. So, Easily. So at, Always. At, at no point are they ever going to get a fair wage, but but 18 year old kids should be able to get a wage for doing something that they've been working their whole life for. 
Right. Especially considering that there is a chance and there's a level of likelihood that that player could ruin his chance at a future in those career endeavors by essentially being a fundraiser for your program and going out there and participating in athletics. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm risking my future based on what's a mostly one-sided deal wherein I gain exposure by playing as a part of your program and you benefit in millions upon millions of dollars in revenue between ticket sales, jersey sales, merchandise sales, TV deals, uh, sponsorships. like, And you're like, well, you get a college education, but we both know I'm only going to be here one year, bro. Mm-hmm. One year. Like yeah. at that point, you know, go play in the G League, take some online classes. Right. Like you literally could go to college whenever. Like literally. And not even like whenever in the future, like whatever time you want, like all our courses, bro. So yeah, the NCAA is definitely losing this fight to keep its best in uh in the in the um in the NCAA and not have to you know give up anything but i i truly believe in the next 2 to 3 years that there's going to be an overhaul on how student athletes are treated and compensated and um then we're going to have to then the NBA is going to adjust um and we're going to have we're going to see something completely different than what we saw 5 years ago 10 years ago I say it'll definitely be interesting to see because um, I don't I I understand what their point was in trying to enforce the players to go to college before being able to be drafted in the NBA, but we saw that the initial pushback with that was okay. Well, we're gonna go overseas and play for a year or two and then come over here since y'all won't let us come straight out the league, which then transitioned once players realized overseas isn't quite the money they thought it was going to be for some of them. Some of them just a bad opportunity or choice in the first place. It became the one and dones, you know, series of one year college basketball and out. And that's fine and all, but even now you're seeing it get to the point where kids are like, well, what's, why do I even have to go over there for one year for free when I can just go play here for one year and get paid and already be around professional NBA, uh, not necessarily NBA, but professional NBA staffs, veterans, people have been around this, done this for a while, know what they're doing and know what I need to do to get me where I'm trying to go because they work with those organizations. One of them sounds like a much better opportunity. The other one sounds like extortion. Mm-hmm. At the highest level. It's it's crazy. I would love to see, like you said, five, ten years from now where we are with recruiting and transition from amateur basketball to professional. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, And I mean, it's not like Penny's not already crushing it as far as getting kids to come play for him. So just keep grinding, Penny. you'll, You'll get to that final four soon. Soon enough. Yeah. This I thought this was going to be the year, but so much has happened. Too much. Entirely too much. Such a disappointing year for us. I don't even want to talk about it right now. Mm. <laughs> but you oh, but you can you can throw out Piston Laker jabs, but you can't you can't talk about <laughs> you can't talk about the Tiger season. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> All right. Just, I just wanted to put that on record so our listeners know. Like, if you have not figured out that I'm petty at this point, 
a little slow to catch on, but that's all right. That just means you need to listen even longer. So hit that subscribe button, hit that follow, and keep listening. What a transition. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Kenny Ray, was that your last word, Kenny? Uh, Yeah, yeah. My last words are always going to be follow me. <laughs> That's very scary, honestly. Like, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, thank you again for listening. I don't think I've said that today. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we definitely appreciate everyone who makes it this far into our episodes. Um, you're you're the true A1, day one type people that we need in our lives. So keep listening. Um, follow us on the socials, all that jazz that Kenny says. Um, and we'll see you guys next time. Say goodbye, Kenny. Later. All right, you guys take care. And more tune for your head top, so watch how you speak on my name, you know?